From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Billy, host of Quarantine Kitchen and co-host of the horror podcast, Nothing to Fear. Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for coming. And thank you uh, again for having me on your show last night, The Quarantine Kitchen. It was great. It was a great fun time. And I hope the food you had was really good. It was really good. I was... I mean, I just usually stress out before shows, especially new ones. This one I've gotten kind of like, yeah, I, I know what I'm doing here, so it's not that big a deal. But your show, I was I was getting really nervous. So I was trying to be all prepared and everything and get it all right so that I had it timed well and all that stuff. And then I got done and I'm like, no one can taste this through the through the, the computer. Like it could be complete garbage. And as long as it looks sort of decent, then you've, you've completed the show and, and it's fine. You can go to McDonald's <laughs> afterwards. So I... <laughs> Exactly. There's no, there's no stress. <laughs> Literally, it's just a way for me to talk to people and not like fidget so much. Mm-hmm. So usually when I'm talking to people, I'm doing something with my hands. And when I'm cooking, that means I'm not like picking up stuff on my table and fiddling with it and being distracted. I can like make a dish. So that's, there's the, uh, there's the secret behind the quarantine <laughs> kitchen is just like, I needed to do something while I talk to people. With that, um, I think we're ready to go ahead and jump into your questions um the first one that we always start with is what was the first what were when did you first realize you were different what were those signs for you when you were a kid that the gender you were born in was not the right one for you yeah it's it's hard to pinpoint because i feel like uh you know you have the realization for me anyway i had the realization where i was in fact trans and that was a couple years ago and then once i you know, sort of new, I could look back at retroactively and, you know, think of other parts from my life where it was like, oh, yeah, this was me uh, not realizing I was trans, but I clearly was. And this all this part from earlier on in my life was was also me <clears throat> thinking that I was trans or, or not knowing for sure and just like ignoring it. But my earliest recollections as I've as I've gone through you know, therapy and sort of introspection and stuff was like in junior high, I used to have wonderings of like, it'd be great if I could go to the new school. Like in in Canada, it was like elementary school was uh, kindergarten to grade six. And then junior high was started at grade seven, seven, eight, and nine. At least that's what I did in, in my part of Canada. And you know, it was like when I was going into junior high, I'd be like, wouldn't it be great if I could just start at a new school and I'd be a girl and that would be cool. You know, I just thought that was something that everybody thought. They're like, doesn't everybody just imagine being the opposite gender or a different gender? Doesn't mean I'm trans. Hmm? <laughs> Once first puberty sort of started, mm-hmm. it was like, hmm, this doesn't this doesn't feel good and it is wrong. And what? how do I change it? <laughs> yeah, I love that you bring up that point, too, that that we don't know that we're different. We think that we're the same as everybody else. And the stuff that we're feeling doesn't mean that we're any different or whatever. It just, yeah, e- either it's what everybody goes through or it just makes us like a complete weirdo. There's no there's sort of no in between in our brains. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, you know, for me, putting it together is that I've been trans since the minute I was born. I just didn't know. And nobody knew. Right. Like I wasn't, you know, the, the the common lingo around transitioning is, oh, you decided to become transgender. It's like, no, I actually realized I was transgender. I have been transgender the whole time. At no point in my life so far have I been cisgender. Um, I just didn't have the vocabulary or the understanding to know that I was transgender. If that makes sense. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is like the people ask, well, you, you did X, Y, and Z. You were so whatever because of, of these things. And you're like, yeah, I was trying real hard. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So what was it that, um, that kind of turned the corner for you and started, started to make you realize that you were trans? I think like throughout my twenties, I kind of realized that there was something different and I didn't know if it was just a, you know, if it was just like a private thought, if it was just something that I would fantasize about. And then I thought I I didn't do anything about it. And then I started having those thoughts of like, well, maybe I am trans, but I'm too old. Like I, I'm not, 
in my teens anymore. I'm, I'm, I've turned 30. Uh, I'm too old to do it. You know, I, I'll just have this desire and I'll hide it away and I'll just live my life and it'll go away one day. So ha- like having that realization was, I think, the egg cracking moment. And then when I was around uh, 33, just before I turned 34, actually, I just had my two year coming out uh, last week. Yay, been, congratulations. Uh, be- <laughs> oh, I should have made a screen thank for you, that. Thank you. Oh. Don't, don't, don't fuss. No fuss. Um, that's, that's sort of, that's sort of a birthday, right? We, we consider that um, to be a, a re-birthday. Oh, man. <laughs> My tranniversary. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. I love it. Let's, let's, let's copyright there's, that. I love it. <laughs> no, there's, that is not copyright me. I've heard that a million times, but um, I think just like I had started seeing things happen in my life that were pretty groundbreaking. Uh, specifically, I guess this is like a trigger warning for talking about like death uh, for some people. Mm-hmm. I had, I, I had, so, so just uh, listeners and viewers be, be forewarned. Um, I had a couple people close to me in my life pass away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them were quite old, you know, grandparents, elderly relatives, the people that you kind of like, okay, when you hit 90, it's like, yeah, you, you had a good run, but it was time to go. Um, type of thing. Those, those were, were shocking and it was weird to have those people not in uh, my life. And then I, there was also some, some deaths in my life of people who are quite close to my age and quite, you know, similar, similar age grouping. And it was just like, Oh, Oh no. You know, <laughs> crystallizing moment. Like life is not uh, forever. Then I started thinking like, how do I want to live the rest of my life? And I just had to go for it. I just thought, you know, if I don't go for it, it's going to make me depressed and send me down a path of all sorts of bad things. And mm-hmm. I literally have nothing to lose. Well, I have everything to lose, but I'm I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And so one of those moments where it. you realize, you know, kind of, you know, life's too short and too precious to live exactly. it as something exactly. else. Yeah. And also, like, I had a girlfriend at the time who when I turned 30, I started getting like, you know, crazy, like nose hairs and like ear hairs. And, you know, she was like, oh, yeah, when guys hit their 30s, they like grow crazy, like nose nose and ears hairs. And I was like, I don't want to be like an old man. Like that's that's no. So um, I think that, you know, I just couldn't picture that. And then I was like, I have to make I have to make the call. Mm -hmm. And here I am two years later and I'm loving it. Nice. That's what we hope for. So, um, uh, moving on to your coming out story, um, you know, we'll talk about the different, the various factions to family, to significant others, to friends, and to work. Um, so, Kay. first off, who did you come out to first? The first person I ever like came out to, aside from me, was um, a coworker <clears throat> who uh, she was. She was a lovely gal. And she was quite open about her own, like her own sexuality, which was one of the first times somebody from the LGBT community was, you know, I worked with somebody close and and they were out and they were proud. And she talked about how she was pansexual and what that was. And she did a lot of like, she was a relentless chatterbox. Anytime we're in the office, she was just like, chatter, 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 chatter. She's a lovely, lovely girl, but you can't get a, you can't get a word in edgewise with her. Um, but she, she just like shared so much of her life. And then I was like, okay, I'm out. I know that people, um, have lost everyone in their life when they come out. It's really Mm -hmm. scary. I didn't want to come out to my family right away. So I was like, okay, this girl seems like a safe bet. She's in the LGBT community. She's very uh, understanding, very, um, cool. Her partner, Use they them pronouns or her partner's pronouns were they them. So I like was learning about singular they pronouns. And I was like, okay, if I can't come up to this person <laughs> where the stakes are literally as low as they could get, um, even if if she, you know, was like, uh, ew, I don't want to talk to you ever again. I was like, okay, well, you're a work person. You're not like, you don't have an impact on mm-hmm. my life outside of work. And so I, I tested the waters, I dipped the toe in the waters with her. And then uh, it went really well. She was very supportive and very lovely. And nice. Uh, yeah. So she was the first. Yeah. I like that idea of, you know, we, we, we talk about a lot of times finding the person that you trust the most, that you know the most in your life, that you know will most likely support you and starting with them just to make sure you have that person in your corner. I like that idea of also maybe 
potentially choosing the most low stakes person to come out to. And um, I think that's sort of, um, I think I sort of struck a good balance between those two with a um, uh, a friend that was like, yeah, like, I think it's going to go pretty well. I think it's gonna be, that's a pretty easy one. And, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was sort of a, lo a lower stakes situation. So, so who did you come out to next? Once you've had this friend that's oh, behind you and supports you at work, did you then decide to come out at work or did you go to family or friends? It was kind of a, a hectic time. Uh, December was when I sort of started coming out. And, uh, once I came out to my coworker, then I had, I had, um, started seeing a therapist online and uh she was really really helpful uh for me to like sort of map it out and then i also i picked this another low stakes person uh who was uh, a friend and the previous uh co-worker from years back a longtime friend and she was uh going on a teaching exchange to australia for a year mm. and so i sent her an email once she was in australia and again my thought was like this is a person I trust very much and I love very much. And I have no doubt in my mind that she'll be supportive. And if she's not, she's all the way in Australia. So like, I don't care, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so again, easy. And then like for, you know, my family and my close friends, it was kind of like here and there every couple weeks for the first like four months, it was like a new person. Mm. I told my mom and dad in March so that was like a few months in because I, I had to work up the courage. And it was funny because <clears throat> I'm sure this is not an uncommon story to have. But when when you're telling your come out story, coming out story, you're not you don't do it once and then you're done. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's there's many people who are like, excuse me, everyone in my life, I have an announcement to make and now it's done. Um, so it was over and over and over again. And the more times I did it the less nervous I got to do it. Like the first few times I would go to a friend and be like, hi, okay, hello, friend, dear friend, I have a thing to tell you or dear family member, I have something to tell you. This is very personal to me, blah, blah, blah. And I would like, it'd be like a big lead up, 10, 15 minute conversation preamble. And then like, as I got more used to it, there was one, I think I told a group, I think I told one of my Dungeons and Dragons groups via a group text. It was like, hey, just so you know, I'm trans and here are my pronouns. Send like like that is just the it went from being the most awkward thing to me being like, what time are we playing? Also, by the way, I'm trans. OK, nice. bye. Like, <laughs> Nice. Yeah, you got your practice down and you're like, yeah, the, this is this is fine. It's going to be fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I get I get how telling that story over and over again gets pretty old. <laughs> You'd like to just uh, send a text and have it be done. <laughs> yeah so i think that was my favorite one it was like and everyone was like okay cool game starts at eight it's like sweet <laughs> who was the hardest for you to come out to well the hardest one for me was actually the person i came out to most recently and that would be my my dear sweet sainted grandmother uh who is 93 and she's very very uh riddled with dementia and has no memory for things ever. And so mm. I was like, well, I can't just I can't tell her because one, she won't understand. Uh, I was a little bit afraid that if I did tell her, I would kill her. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like, oh, my gosh, I can't tell Omi. She'll just drop dead on the spot. Um, yeah. And then I was really nervous about telling her because in my head, I was like, well, she's going to forget in 15 minutes. And so I didn't I didn't tell her until like this year. So it was a long time. And there would be times when she would phone and I would just like brace for the coming misgendering that I knew was going to happen. I was mm -hmm. like, OK, she, at some point she's going to call me her grandson and I'm going to go like. Ugh. And I found out that uh, like I didn't know for so long that my mom had been trying really, really hard to gender me correctly when she's talking to her mom. And. Uh, when my mom would do that over the phone, my Omi would get really mad at her and yell at her and uh, give her, you know, basically shit for calling me a girl. And so I was just like, you know what? I just have to do this. I just have to put it out in the universe that I've said the words. And so there was one time, the last time I was out uh, out at our, our our cabin, she was calling and, and my Omi got into this really deep, like, 
well of just like recycling this thing and like calling my mom and yelling at her for using the wrong pronouns and then like hanging up and then forgetting and then getting mad about it again, and then calling her again. So she did that about five or six times. Mm-hmm. It was really stressful. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm making it really stressful for my mom. So I just like answered the phone and had the conversation with her and said, she was like, does it make you mad when your mom says you're a girl? And I'm like, no, actually, she got it right. <laughs> and so I came out to her and she was very supportive. And she said, oh, of course, I'll love you no matter what. Um, you know, if, if you're a girl, then that's great. It's, it was amazing. I cried. She said, stop crying because she's, you know, a first generation German immigrant and feelings are like, no. So <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that's the part that made her the most uncomfortable was that you're actually ex- expressing yeah. emotion. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so happy. And then uh, the next day, it was all back to back to square one. You know, she had forgotten. She misgendered me on the phone, another call. And it was like, well, it was a great half an hour while it lasted. And the universe knows that I came out to my grandmother. So I'm counting it. Like, it counts. We'll see what happens next time. Yeah, I I, I really appreciate that sentiment of like, you know, you you did what, what you should have done. You came out to her. And in the end, it didn't end up working out long term. But... For that moment, you had that, and that's wonderful. And you had her support. Other than than her, um, did you have any support from people that you weren't expecting? I mean, this the Instagram community was uh, probably the biggest sort of support early on. Just sort of me tacitly following and seeing people share their stories felt like really, really great levels of support. And then as I interacted, I found the the very very supportive Instagram community, but also my friends. In Calgary, they were all really supportive. I was really not like surprised, like I thought they would be supportive. Yeah, I guess I'm. I wasn't surprised about the people who were supportive in my life because I kind of make a point to surround myself with people who share my values and share my sense of humor and aren't judgmental. And so anybody who I feel like wouldn't have been supportive in my old like friend groups from past, I had just like stopped talking to years before because it was like, eh, mm-hmm. I'm not your friend anymore. Um, just the fact that this community, this community online has been super, super supportive has been really great. When did you first find community? Was this Instagram community your, your first like exposure to a larger trans community? I had another account that was just for my my cat, Cat John Snow, which recently got, uh, I think, deleted because I accidentally put in his birthday as his actual birthday. And so they were like, a six-year-old can't have Instagram deleted. And I was like, oh, <laughs> sh- shit. <laughs> so the Cat John Snow Instagram got deleted. But um, I was following a lot of trans pages on there just because I was an ally and mm-hmm. uh, just because I <laughs> you know, wanted to be supportive. So as I as I kind of just sort of lurked a little bit, I decided once I came out to myself, I started my uh, my page uh, way back and just sort of it's grown from there slowly in the in the intervening two years. Yeah, you have um, a great deal of followers now, don't you? What, what What's your numbers at right now? Forty four hundred. OK, something like that. Nice. I don't know the, the exact number, but. It's over four thousand, which is which was a nice thing. And I was when I started, I was like, I don't think a hundred people will follow me ever. And um, I guess that some people like to follow me. I bet even some of them aren't uh, chasers or bot accounts. <laughs> I mean, I'd say the the majority aren't chasers or bot accounts, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Who As really you- knows how many followers there are? <laughs> At, at this point now, how far along would you say you're in your journey? Just kind of ballparking, you know, like middle three quarters of the way near the end. Where do you feel like you're at? I don't think that I'll ever be finished um, transitioning because I think that it's it's just a, a unique phase of growth in my life that I'm going through. Like I am, you know, sure, I've, I've got a couple of years. I've got a year under my belt of HRT, which is great. And, uh, you know, I, I think that when I started out, I was very conscious that the goalposts were really far away. And I, you know, I was like, okay, so what, what time would I be done transitioning? And I put all these goals in. It's like, is, is when you start hormones, is that when you're done? When you do surgeries, is that when you're, when you're done? 
you know, I don't think that my transition will ever be done. I think I'll be always, hopefully I'll always be learning and always be growing. And even though I am, you know, I'm, I'm on the road to get uh, affirming surgeries and I'm on wait lists and I'm, 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 I'm on that path. I feel like once, you know, those are completed, then the transition's not necessarily finished. It's just in a different phase. So mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like percentage, I don't know. If I live to be 100, I guess I'm 35% of the way done. <laughs> Almost 36. <laughs> That's like an oddly specific number. What could that, what could that mean? Um, what's, what do you feel like your next step is? What are you most looking forward to coming up soon? Oh, my. Well, this week I'm supposed to be getting a letter at, or a phone call or an email that says when my orchiectomy date will be. Hmm which is supposed to happen sometime in 2021. Although I have been assured by this, uh, this clinic several times that by a certain date, a thing would happen and then the date would go by and I would have to call them and be like, Hey, where is this? So, Mm. uh, I feel like by the time this week is over, there's a good chance. I won't have that letter that I'm expecting and I'll have to make a call and be like, Hey, so you are a promise breaker. Give me, give me the date but I, I but that is like my next big thing i've signed all the consent forms i have talked to like to the nurse who works with the doctor i know where it's going to be what the procedure is going to entail i have everything except the actual calendar date and time <laughs> yeah so um as, yeah. as as far as getting um that surgery done you say you're like 99 percent of the way there <laughs> i mean I've literally done everything I can. I just need the doctor to be like, okay, nighty night. Just need that. that, that go ahead. <laughs> that, that's pretty much all it that's is, right? Do, right? <laughs> the big pair of garden cheers. Yep. <laughs> so uh, what are some of the key fears you've run up against during your transition? Everyone under the sun was going to abandon me um, and not want to be around me and not support me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fear, I'm happy to say, did not come to pass. I was, you know, I had convinced myself when I first came out, I was like, even if everybody leaves me, my cat doesn't know how to feed himself. So I, st- <laughs> he's still on my side <laughs> because I know where his food is. Um, and I was, again, overwhelmed by the love and support I got from all, all corners of my life, nice. which was really, really lovely. I had fears that, HRT wasn't going to work for me. You know, I, I was like, what if I'm like the one case in a million where it's just like your body's like, no, no HRT, no changes. So I've been, I've been happy to see some of those fears, um, assuaged a little bit by, by looking in the mirror and, and, and feeling more comfortable in my own skin and feeling more happy with the way I look on the outside, which Mm -hmm. was, um, which is really great. And then, yeah, I guess the fears of just, you know, being called out in public or being um, harassed were, were, they're always in the back of my mind. And I have uh, sort of knock on wood, I haven't had any unfortunate run-ins. I've had the odd troll and hate comment on my Instagram, of course, but hey-ho, that's, uh, that's the internet for you. But mm-hmm. I realized pretty quickly on that, um, most people going about their day-to-day lives like don't pay any attention to you like i don't pay attention to people around me when i'm out and about i am just like eh, uh, you're all doing your thing I'll, I'll keep an eye on people if i if like i can sense when somebody's like walking towards me to like talk to me like those people who um want to see if i have a second to talk about the rainforest or whatever and i'm like no. Uh, so I can sort of tell when somebody's coming towards me, that kind of activates a little bit of a radar. That was my um, progesterone alarm. I have to take that pill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll do that at the break. Okay. Uh, remind me if I forget, though. Um, uh, I think that's a good, that, that's a good uh, thing to do on the break, is everybody everybody take your, as someone just, just told me, I think we've renamed them Girl Beans. Love it. Girl Beans. Take your Girl Beans. I love it. Uh, take your Girl Beans. Um, but no, like people, people are are busy with their own lives, and they're not paying too much attention to to just another passerby. So mm. I just go about my life, and um, I have been very lucky so far. I live in a very welcoming 
uh, neighborhood. I feel very safe here. So I know that's not the case for everybody, and that breaks my heart. But I, I try to make up for it by being just like as visible as I can be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as as shitty as COVID has been, it's really helped people not like come up to you in public. You know, everyone's staying six feet away. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess silver linings. Yeah. And, and that's another um, thing that we've talked about several times in in my friends group is just how how fewer how many fewer times you get misgendered while the, while you're wearing the mask there's something about covering the by the five o'clock shadow or just the mm-hmm. strong jawline or whatever where you you get gendered correctly so much more and it's like okay this is this is kind of nice weird Pretty you know nice. yeah silver lining on a dark cloud but it's still kind of nice yeah very dark cloud i think you bring um, a really important point i'm gonna um uh, finish cutting you off here in a second but um about how easy it is to fear what other people are thinking and like the looks they're giving you or the the lack of eye contact they're giving you and it um i I had some time where i was swinging back and forth on the fence a little bit and i would go in guy mode and i realized that everybody was acting the same way towards me regardless of what i was wearing or or all that kind of stuff so yeah you you can't attribute too much of it to the fact that you're trans just know that they're going about their day and it's no big deal i remember the very first time i went out i i wore not even a tinted chapstick, a flavored chapstick. And I was like, oh my God, everyone is going to notice and everyone's going to know. Like, how ridiculous was I being back then? But I was, you know, worried that somehow I would uh, I would be called out, mm-hmm. you know? And people would point, it'd be like the, the Body Snatchers uh, movie from the 70s with Donald Sutherland. Like, <laughs> but uh, no, I found out that like, coming out was the scariest thing i could have done so everything else since that has been less scary nice yeah that's that's what that's that's kind of what you hope for and that's the best thing is that you realize that it wasn't that big a deal and then after that it you know it it definitely gets easier especially you said the more people you tell you get the story down but also you just realize that the stakes aren't as high as you had feared originally so um how have your all right how have your transition goals shifted as you've moved along have they has has anything kind of moved around you in your priorities or what you kind of set as as goals? Yeah, I think that sort of my own relationship with my my body and my presentation has changed a little bit. Like when I started, I was like, I am you know never going to look like a girl. I'm always I'm always going to look like a boy pretending to be a girl. Mm-hmm. And I was really you know again I was really worried. HRT is not going to work for me. I'm not going to be able to to see any results. And um, just that whole sort of concept of passing has been um, banging around in my head um, quite a bit. And then especially recently with the the recent like Trans Visibility Week of, you know, there was um, Eva Echo, who is uh, she's out of the UK. Um, She did this like pass it on campaign and it talked about like, what does passing mean to you? How has it affected you? And just got me sort of thinking a little bit more about passing and how, you know, if you want to, if your goal is to pass, then awesome. I fully support you. But for me, I'm like, I want to just feel happy in my body and feel beautiful and feel loved in my body and just look away that that makes me happy. And I don't need to pass as cisgender because I'm not. Mm-hmm. I am transgender and I'm uh, proud to be transgender and, you know, happy. I don't, I don't mind if people know, and if they have a problem with it, then that's exactly what it is. It's their problem. And like, that's not to say, that's not to say like you can ignore everybody who has a problem with you because there is a very real danger about being trans, especially in a lot of parts of the world. I feel very lucky to be Canadian, very privileged to be Canadian where people don't care or are too polite to say anything. Yeah, usually, and that that's great. I've heard some some rough stories there too, but I mean, it's just because with where people involved, there's always there's always going to be a little bit of a danger. It's it's important to kind of keep yeah. a little bit of an eye open. Um, I think you you hit on that too of being able to kind of read the room and see if there's somebody that's actually got some some kind of negative feelings towards you. Oh, I walked past somebody uh, a few weeks ago, and they just mad dogged the hell out of me, like. It was this big, 
this crazy big um, guy and he just like he he looked so angry that I was just around oh, gosh. <laughs> like, I'm going to walk at a brisk pace <laughs> yeah I mean that yeah it is not safe out there for lots and lots of people but uh, you know again because I am lucky enough to be in a safe place then I will loudly and proudly shout that I'm trans and be visible as a trans person and be like, hi, I just like, I also get groceries and I also need to do my laundry and I'm just like a normal human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that is true for all the trans people. So yeah, be cool, everyone. Well, and, and, uh, you know, another point that you were, were alluding to earlier, uh, there's a, there's a point where we have to get to in our transition where we realize the difference between dysphoria and jealousy and can hmm. really, differentiate that for ourselves of like what about my body really causes me dysphoria and doesn't feel right or what about my body am i just jealous of all the other girls that have that um the jealousy is a very common female thing you know girls are always jealous of what what other girls have how they how they look how their bodies are all that kind of stuff so i mean i think jealousy is universal like no matter your gender you're going to be jealous of somebody somewhere Mm -hmm. for something yeah, but I think um, it's, it's yeah. important to, to have a perspective on that and keep your, your mind open to that because, um, you know, it, it helps you get to that place where you're happier with yourself. If you realize what it is that you need to feel happy as you versus the things that you would just, that would just be nice to have. Yeah, I used to feel that, uh, especially starting out when everything was so long and so far away, you know, hormones were so far away for me. Surgery dates were way, way in the distant hazy future. And it would be kind of hard to be joining in. Like say I started following somebody on Instagram and they've been transitioning for like two and a half years. And they're like, they finally are at their chance to, or they they finally have their surgery date come up or something. It's, early on I was like that sucks I wish I was there uh you know I feel kind of jealous for her getting her surgery but it's just like just because I didn't see the first two years and four months of her journey doesn't mean that she didn't live it and she didn't go through these things I'm just coming in at the you know hour and a half mark of the movie and there's only 10 minutes left Mm -hmm. and you know (laughs) um so I just had to like shift the perspective and and the idea that like I am only comparing only comparing myself to who i was before not like anybody else Mm -hmm. because all of the paths have different starting times and different distances and yeah then you know there's just so much of it that we can't control like i mean just the logistical stuff for you of getting the appointments with the doctors and getting the the date set for something that you have all the paperwork filled out for versus you know the fact that our bodies are all different we're different mm-hmm. ages and our bodies are going to react to the hormones in a different way. Yeah. So you, you just, yeah, you, it's so much more important to focus on, to know what it is you want and need to feel like the, the true, your true self, and then focus on how far you've come from where you were and stop, mm-hmm. you know, judging all your guideposts based on on people who've who got to transition starting at 18 and have been doing it for for nine years yeah yeah exactly we're all we're all in our own race i think Mm. i mean we are yeah what role has therapy played in your transition oh therapy so good therapy was so so beneficial so nice to talk to uh, a person about it I am really missing therapy because I don't have benefits anymore, so I can't afford it. But it just just to like sit down with somebody and talk and have it be like a person who has no stakes in your life. Like, you know, my, my therapist was like happy for me when I shared my triumphs and commiserated with me when I was sad about stuff. But I'm a patient. She, I am paying her to listen to me. And so... Just the fact that I could talk to somebody and vent and have it be received in a, a kind of neutral way. And then she, so that helped me examine it more neutrally and, and take some of the emotions out of it and, you know, help, help focus me. And I really do uh, wish that therapy was more affordable. And I do think that most people on the planet could benefit from having a little bit of therapy every now and again. 
because it's such a such an important like check in with your with your mental self and uh my only like regret about um therapy is uh i have i've had a couple therapists and they've both been or they've all been cisgender women mm. and so while you know they are very professional and they understand me and they're non-judgmental they don't quite have the same understanding of being trans they they are just like very very compassionate observers and i think they're very empathetic but um it's actually inspired me to look into going back to school and maybe taking a couple psychology courses to like be a therapist uh one day hopefully i I have letters out to schools i'm waiting to see if i got in but that's wonderful. That's such a wonderful way to give back. You know, I, I think that it's we're at this wonderful time in the, the evolution of things. And I've said wonderful like three times. I don't know if you get even. <laughs> but, you know, so many people early on, you know, I've interviewed a few of them that were early pioneers in being visible online for for people to actually have an example of what a trans person is and what that can be like and you know in in some regard we're still carrying that torch and doing that here you know with with your show and and your instagram account and um i think that's a wonderful next step of another way to help people is to actually you know get that training and, and be able to help them directly i think that's a wonderful that's just a wonderful sentiment I think that, you know, the conversation is shifting and there are more people who are, uh, you know, out and visible and living their lives and making the road smoother for the people behind us and the people who came before, you know, me before, you know, 10 years, 20 years before me started that process. And it's getting a little bit smoother every time the roadblocks keep getting thrown up, but we find ways to go around them or... Mm -hmm or eventually crush them. And I do think that the, you know, the change is coming and, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, positive movements, but there's still ways to go. And like, why not make this uh, comfortable and, and, and easier for people down the line where we don't even have to like remark on somebody if they, if they come out as trans, if it's just like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. That's that the point, right. To get to that where, where you tell somebody you're trans and then they're like, okay, okay. Like, yeah. What do you, what do you do? Like, you know, or it's just, it's just yeah. a, a nothing part of the conversation. I love that. That's yeah. So how confident do you feel as a, as a woman these days? I mean, I still struggle with imposter syndrome all the time. <clears throat> I try to not feel like I have to do everything and be everything to, um, everyone which is it's an impossible milestone to to reach but i just try to be like honest to myself and you know if if it feels good in my heart and in my soul then i feel feel good about it and as a woman like i feel very very proud i you know i have some my my wardrobe is starting to 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 flourish a little bit i am getting you know I'm, i'm learning skills to to you know to do makeup and to do my hair in ways that are fun for me primarily i i wouldn't i don't do it because i have a sense of obligation i just i really enjoy uh you know putting together a good makeup look mm-hmm. which is uh which is a surprise to me and i kind of wish i had played around with makeup a little bit more when i was a bit younger mm-hmm. but uh hey and i would say like i am confident uh, i find that when i'm dealing with people on the phone um, especially like with name change stuff. I've been doing a lot of name change stuff this year. And uh, it's really, it, it, the first couple of times it was hard to build up the courage to be like, okay, I have to like change my name and I'll have to like tell someone I'm trans. And now I'm just like, you know, there's like, a, a, I'll get an email and it'll be addressed to my dead name and I'll be like, okay, I'll either find the, the way to change it or if I can't, I'll just write an email and be like, hey, um, I'm trans and I changed my name. So you should also change my name. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've had conversations with people like telemarketers, not telemarketers, but like uh, call center people who I need to help make a name change. There's, uh, I, I found that like, I don't shy away from it. I just sort of come out and say like, I need you to help change my name because I transition transitioned and my name is different. And if they're surprised, they're, uh, they've all been really good at hiding it or or covering that surprise, and and they've all been really professional. I just, you know, 
it's like, I don't have time to uh, hold your hand and explain this. So this is my problem. This is how I need it fixed. Let's, let's make it happen. Mm -hmm. That's very empowered of you. I love that. So um, what do you feel dysphoric about these days? I, I have a lot of bottom dysphoria still. Uh, mm -hmm. That is something that, yeah, that uh, honestly, like I didn't have as much when I first started out, but as I've like progressed, uh, that's changed. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, I really don't enjoy talking and I don't enjoy the, 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 I don't have a nice, I don't have a nice situation down there. <laughs> um, and so I'm, you know, doing the waiting game and hopefully getting, uh, getting surgery soon. My goal is, uh, before I turn 40, come on waitlist. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, yeah, it's still going to be years out. I have, um, I think my biggest dysphoria spot now is I actually have like a bit of like hair thinning that happened um, from testosterone poisoning. So uh, it makes me uh, feel un uncomfortable if my hair is down and it's not like covering up this little like thinning patch on the back. Uh -huh. um, I've had a couple instances when I worked with kids where kids are just blunt and they'll be like, Billy, did you know you're bald? I'm like, shut up <laughs> shut up <laughs> um so yeah not allowed to do that but uh it was just that was just really hard to to kind of get grips to and you know realize that like yeah i've been i have had the wrong sort of hormone balance for so long mm -hmm. and it was you know i mean hair thinning is something that happens when you've got a lot of testosterone so i am happy that i've stopped the process and i I feel like I have a little bit of regrowth happening, but not too, too much. Okay. Um, yeah. Hmm. Other than that, I, I feel like I might feel more dysphoric if I was like in a situation where I, if we weren't in a lockdown and I was, you know, going out and standing and taking pictures with like my friends and seeing that like I am quite a bit taller and quite a bit broader than them. I feel like that may be more of a trigger, but. I'm I'm less concerned about it now. What have you run into as some of your biggest hurdles in your transition? Uh, aside from the wait list. Yeah, the wait list sounds like it's probably the big one, right? <clears throat> That's the big one. The, a recent hurdle has been like I, I had a I had a job for a great number of years. COVID cost me that job, and with that job went uh, some very very excellent health and wellness benefits. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm trying to reconcile the cost of hormones that are no longer covered by a, uh, a prescription plan. Uh, you know, I used to go see therapy regularly. Can't do that. Not not having a job means I have less money. So like that is all stuff that's coming up and I'm just sort of going to figure out a way to to figure it out. And I will get over those hurdles. I don't quite know how yet, but I'm confident something's going to work out. <laughs> Gotta have faith. Well, that's happen. good that's a positive attitude i like that so um when you started your transition and um, probably you know kind of going back to community and, and finding that did you have a role model or a confidant that um you could that you looked up to or that you could talk to i don't know if i had any one role model or confidant mm -hmm. um i think again just the the people who are out on instagram and who were very you know, very visible and very uh, vocal in sharing their journey. I was inspired by everybody. Uh, you know, anytime I find a new trans account uh, through, uh, I don't know if you've had her on the show yet, but you should, Shannon McDill. She does like a Transition Tuesday hmm. post where she reposts uh, as many Transition Tuesday uh, posts that she does. And that, like, you know, I think she's been doing that for almost a year now, but. Um, that's a great way to find people and just like everybody has a unique story and everybody is, is doing it in a different way. And every, like everybody, whether it's day one or day 10,000 of transition for you, like their stories are interesting and their journey is cool. And I think just, yeah, just like other people in this community were very, um, yeah, very, ro very role modely and, uh, everyone's different takes are interesting, uh, thought provoking. 
and like challenge me to challenge me to think different ways and to to examine things from different different aspects but yeah if if you wanted me to give you a list of three i would probably need a couple hours because <laughs> there's just there's just like what you know this person inspires me for this thing this person inspires me for another thing this guy is doing awesome over here like just everyone is killing it so yay everyone <laughs> yay everyone everyone's an inspiration and there's a lot that might of be the that. most that, that might be that might be the most canadian answer i've given but uh uh, you know, <laughs> everyone is great. I know there, there really is a lot of truth to that because we do have a really strong community now online. Um, Instagram is really killing it. There's a, there's a ton of great people out there and a lot of, a lot of just wonderful things to, to go on. Um, you know, recently became good friends with people in the, um, trans community center, which is a wonderful group for support and just kind of chatting oh, cool. and, and finding other, other people to talk to. Um, and there's a lot of that out there. It's wonderful. Um, so we know kind of where your surgeries are at. So this next question, um, I'm going to modify it. The, the question is of hormones, uh, surgeries, and, and other parts of your your transition. What is the what's been the most gender affirming? I think just the expanded array of emotions available to me, uh, thanks to hormones. Mm. I you know before was notably stone-hearted i would always joke like movies don't make me cry i don't cry i have a robot heart um and that was a lot of repression and denying myself mm -hmm. uh whoops but uh, uh hormones have unlocked that uh for me i know that's not an uncommon thing to hear from this community but just like movies will make me cry memes will make me cry my friends will make me cry it's just like Oh, there goes Billy. She's crying again about something. And it's just like that is really wonderful because <clears throat> I used to I used to cry a lot when I was little. Like I was always teased for how much I cried. I was always told like, you know, time to man up and time to, you know, boys don't cry and all this and that. Right. Um, and so, like, I was always a very sensitive little kiddo and I would cry super easily. And I still like, you know, if I'm if I'm ever talking to somebody uh, with a lot of emotion, you know, if I'm telling somebody how much they mean to me or if I love them, then usually I'm like a couple seconds away from crying a little bit. Mm. Um, and it's just been nice to sort of re just find that part of myself again mm. uh, that I kind of had squashed down uh, in first puberty when it was yeah. like, boys aren't allowed to cry, blah, 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 be a man, brr, 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 yeah, brr, blah, right? Like that was. To do that bottle it up, hide those emotions. And I was like, okay, that sucks. But, um, you know, that's a bigger issue. We just like boys can cry. Um, it's not because I was trans that I was crying, although probably, but like cisgender boys can cry too. Like everyone can cry. Like, like it feels great to cry sometimes. Um, so like that is one of the, the big affirming things is just like, I have these emotions and I feel them so much deeper. And then I think, a funny, a funny story I had recently was I've noticed that since I started progesterone uh, about a month ago, about five weeks ago, I've started noticing these like mood swings. And I had a moment with my mom a couple weeks ago where we were talking about something and we got into a little bit of an argument and I like started crying and said she didn't understand me and like ran to the bathroom and slammed the door and just sat there. And I was like, oh, my God, I just had I just had a teenage girl puberty moment <laughs> where I yelled at my mom. And then I just started laughing uncontrollably because it was so absurd. And I was like, I'm 35 and I'm having I'm having puberty times. This is this is wild. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> oh, thanks that was affirming. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Um, and then. I and then I told my mom I was sorry after. I was like, I'm sorry I had some puberty. <laughs> I love you very much. <laughs> we had a little, little moment there. And, uh, and yeah, now we're beyond that. <laughs> now we're, we're all good. Um, I think that leads pretty well into the next question. What were some of the biggest learning curves that you've had or things you've had to, uh, to get used to during your transition? How not other to than stab sudden violent myself? mood swings, I guess. <laughs> Well, yeah, other than that, um, <laughs> how to not stab myself in the eye putting on mascara, mm. I think was a big learning curve, which I realized I forgot to put mascara on tonight, but that's okay. 
<laughs> make like makeup was a big learning curve. Wardrobe is also a big learning curve. Those are all very cosmetic things, though. And just like through trial and error, you get through there. Um, I think like navigating some of the new emotions was a little bit hard okay. uh, to do. And then the non sort of trans side of my life in the last two years is I've you know been learning a couple more technical skills, learning how to edit a podcast, learning how to like go live, learning how to stream stuff. Like these are all learning curves that I've embarked on and they're not as steep as I thought they were, but it's still like, Oh, I have to figure, I have to figure this out or I have to figure that out. And that's, that's been kind of cool. How do you feel that transitioning has affected your mental health? Um, It's improved it by like a million percent. Hmm. Uh, You know, it, it hasn't alleviated all of my problems. Like, you know, transitioning did not cure everything I had, but it cured so much of my mental uh my mental i guess issues mm-hmm. um i like to to think of it as w- before i came out i had spent so much of my mental energy on a subconscious level just running in the background that was taking up all of my like just all of my energy to repress m- myself to repress being trans mm-hmm. it was like having a program running in the back of your computer that's just like taking taking all of the memory and taking all the ram or whatever i don't know anything about computers i don't know why i started on this analogy i'm gonna bail on it but i think it works it i think was, it makes sense yeah we, we all have uh, There's I, just one thing that's running <laughs> in the background that, that you know like especially when you're trying to stream or maybe game or whatever and it's just like why is it running so slow and it's just there's there's that something in the background that's just chipping away at it there we go i did it i am uh famously i am a person who thinks computers are just magic rectangles that let me talk to people so that's my knowledge of of computers, but but like <laughs> once I once I realized my transness and who I was as a trans woman, that sort of I guess that program was able to close down that like denial.exe. I could delete it and get it <laughs> off of my. I'm I'm sticking with this stupid analogy, but it opened up so much creative energy that was previously un- unavailable to me. So. I know that I'm going ahead and I keep talking about this stuff after, but like I fully believe that I would not have been able to start a podcast if I hadn't transitioned just because I was using so much of that energy to deny myself Mm -hmm. that I had, I was exhausted. My brain was exhausted. I was tired. I had no energy to do anything. I had no drive to try anything new. I was like, I'll just stay the course. And now that I, you know, I'm not like this. It's just like, Oh, there's like, I have ideas, I have aspirations, I have goals for the first time ever. It's like, this would be cool to try, and this is neat, and why don't I start a cooking show on Instagram? Like, that could be fun. And just, like, all of these things unlocked for me once I once I started on this journey. Yeah, once you were free of having to try so hard to be something that you weren't, that wasn't fitting. All right, we're we're coming to the end. We got two questions left. We got the fun one and the uh, and the real serious one. The fun one, my favorite is how did you choose your name? My name, th- th- my name now has been my name pretty much forever. Growing up, I was always called Billy. Hmm. I was it was spelt a little bit differently, and it was a sort of diminutive form of my given name, which was very sort of regal and very kingly and noble mm-hmm. and i you know was always like no no my name is billy and people said oh well when you grow up you won't go by billy that's a little kid's name no grown man is named billy and i was like billy crystal anyway moving on <laughs> um <laughs> i so I, I i was always billy and then when i when i came out i i went by just the letter b for a while because i wasn't sure interesting okay. um i think the very first few months i was on instagram like under the name thing it was just the letter b and there's still things that pop up where they say like hey b i'm like oh no i haven't talked to you for a while hey Hmm. um so the the story of how i chose my first name is not very exciting but the story of how i chose my middle names is a little bit more exciting so i will share that one so my middle names i had two middle names i was both named after people in my family i was named after my uh, my grandfather on my mom's side and my great uncle on my dad's side, right? So I had two middle names like that. And when I uh, 
changed uh, my names. I wanted to keep the two middle name structure. I quite liked that I had, you know, three names and then my last name. Mm. And so I wanted to pick women on either side of my family who were very important to me. So I picked the name that my my paternal grandmother, I picked her name because she was uh, a cool uh, lady who was a teacher in the 40s in uh, you know, Winnipeg, sort of prairies, Canada, and she raised five kids and she did it all. And when her husband, when her husband died of a stroke, when he was quite young, like relatively, like I think he was in his, maybe his late sixties, mm. she was a widow. And instead of like being all sad, she like had this amazing sort of second half of her life where she taught herself how to swim. She went on like trips. She went on, like explored the world and like, just like, went and did so many things and i was actually able to uh you know come out to her before we lost her sadly we did lose her last year around october or september i can't remember exactly when but um she was in her 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 early 90s or late 80s so she and she had such a such an amazing like life where she she lost somebody who was hugely important to her and she just you know found this second wind which was so cool. And uh-huh, so I was like, yeah. I want to honor her with that. The, yeah. So my other middle name, uh, I picked my great aunt on my mom's side, who was again, this badass lady. She was a nurse in world war two. She moved to like the high Arctic in Canada in the fifties and sixties and basically worked one-on-one with people, uh, wiping out tuberc- tuberculosis up there. Mm. Like she did, she did so much. And, uh, she was actually because uh, she worked up in this Arctic station and they had this this polar bear that kept coming around and like getting in the food because it was the 60s and nobody really knew about conservation. And so this bear was becoming a threat. And so when they had to sadly, they had to put the bear down. They gave her this polar bear rug that they made out of the fur and she kept that. She had that in her house that we would go over and visit and get, get to lie on like a fully like taxidermy bear rug with the head and everything. Wow. Um, and so <laughs> that was just like the coolest thing in the world and was very, very passionate about education and always bettering yourself and like taught me about like the reading. And she, she got herself like a university degree when she was in her sixties. So hmm. I just wanted to pick those, like, some badass ladies in my, in my life who are no longer with us and I want to honor them. So that's so great. So that's why I carry their names with me. That's so great. And it's really interesting to me that, that you, um, you know, going back to your first name that you settled back in on Billy, what was it about it that, that appealed to you and, and you realized that, that you liked the idea of just feminizing it. And that was, that was good. That was just my name. Like, I, it's just my name. My name is Billy. Hmm. Just, that was it. And you liked it. Um, stuck with it. I love it. Yeah. I liked it. I bought, I bought a couple extra vowels and stuck them on the end. <laughs> <laughs> switch it around and you're good what advice do you have for young or closeted trans and non-binary people that are coming up in the world even even from in the closet there's so many people out here that love you no matter what and if you're in the closet because it's not safe to be out that's totally understandable you're still super valid you're still amazing and you're still so so strong and one one day, if you have the chance to come out, you'll know when it's the right time to take it, and it'll be so worth it. And like I said, there's people here who are wonderful and warm and lovely, and you know will be supportive, even if your biological family is not necessarily. That is a, a sad fact that that happens. There is a chosen family uh, waiting for you that will welcome you with open arms and yeah no offense to Mimi but if anybody needs a trans mom I can also I can also be uh your trans mom mm-hmm. if 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 your if your mom doesn't and like just just like don't be afraid to go find your chosen family because they're out there you don't know them yet but they they're waiting and they're they're ready to to give you a big virtual hug until it's safe to meet up in person mm-hmm. and then if you're just starting out like it, it takes forever, but it gets better. It takes so long and there's going to be day after day. You'll feel like nothing is happening and you're not going anywhere. And then you'll look back 
after a month or after six months or after a year, and you will be amazed, amazed at how far you've come. And just remember, you can't compare your journey to anybody else's. Mm -hmm. You have to compare your journey to you. Um, So just hang in there. It takes so much strength to come out and to be who you are. And that's really, really something that should be celebrated. Mm -hmm. Something to cheer. Another thing that I loved in the the pre-interview that we did that you talked about was um, knowing yourself and trusting that. Mm. Yes. See, I don't remember anything I say. But yeah, I, you, thank you for the reminder. Yes, you you know yourself. I, did, I do remember saying this now. Yeah, you know who you are. People will question you on your transition when you do come out or if you have come out. But just, you know, remember that you have thought about this way more than they did. And you've been thinking about it inside your head for so much longer and they might need some time to, to do that same amount of thinking that you did. And it might take, that might make the road a little bit bumpy, but you know who you are and nobody can tell you differently. Also, I painted this rock at day camps. It says <laughs> you matter. I don't know if it's reversed. Does this reverse it? It's no, it's perfect. No, it's the you matter rock. You matter. Remember it. I'm going to put this. Yeah, you you matter. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch the full video version of the show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash the transverse. And be sure to catch our slate of other great shows there as well. If you love what we're doing and want to support The Transverse, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash the transverse.